Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. And welcome to T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio Podcast. The most fun you'll ever listen to while you're folding your clothes. Now let's get this straight. This is not your average podcast. T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio is super fun, super crazy. It's pretty much an in-your-face conversation. That's the good thing about us. We don't do interviews. We do conversations. All of my guests, all of my co-hosts, we chill. We drink, we play games, we have the song of the week, we have the creative curse word of the week. As long as you're having fun as our guest. Speaking of guests, each week I'm going to go through my whole contact list and dive head first into the world of music, gaming, exotic cars, tech, strippers probably, doctors probably, probably strippers that are only stripping so they can pay for tuition to become a doctor. You never know. My wife is a certified bartender. She'll make you a drink while you're here. We'll get you drunk and make you play VR after. It's a lot going on, but that's what it's all about over here at T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio Podcast. See you soon, baby! All right. Well, in this show, we take a deep dive into SEMA. We talked to Christopher Kirsting, who's the president and CEO of SEMA, so we can get all the nuts and the bolts, almost literally. So if you're uh, thinking about SEMA this year, this is the show to tune into. We'll get into that. And first, I'll tell you about J.B. Weld. DIYers and pros have trusted J.B. Weld for over 50 years. But why hire a pro when you can work like a pro with J.B. Weld? We're proud to have J.B. Weld Epoxy Adhesive Sponsor as a sponsor on the show. I personally know the owner. Met him at SEMA a few years (laughs) back. Thought he was a good guy. He liked the cut of my jib. And here we are. And uh, whether it's automotive, crafts, plumbing, marine, or more, you got to use JB Weld. It works on metal, wood, plastics, glass, ceramics. Use it to fix my son's shoe. I use it to fix my daughter's cold roller thing. Still don't know the name of it or what's it for. <laughs> but it's fixed. I do know I paid for it. So I fixed it with JB Weld. Uh, JB Weld also just acquired Herculiner, the original DIY truck bed liner. So if you're looking for the world's strongest truck bed liner, Herculiner has you covered, right, Matt? Yeah, you know, JB Weld is available at jbweld.com, Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, AutoZone, Advanced Auto Parts, Napa, O'Reilly, Amazon, Michaels, and more. I can't believe there's an and more. That's pretty much everyone. <laughs> Remember, JB Weld, epoxy products are proudly made in the USA. It's JB Weld, world's strongest bond. Get on up, choice get a mandate, get it on, and welcome to CarCast, the man of Corolla. It's Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, over there. Got to heat up your uh, mic over there. There we go. There There we go. I can hear it. Hey. We're (laughs) well-oiled machine. We'll uh, give you a nice big fat SEMA update uh, in today's program. First, Matt's got a little 15-second JB Weld. Yeah, you know, our friends at JB Weld, it's a... It's available at Home Depot and Lowe's, Walmart, AutoZone, Advanced Auto Parts, Napa, O'Reilly, Amazon, Michaels, and more. And remember, JB Weld epoxy products are proudly made in the USA. It's JB Weld, world's strongest bond. Well, our guest is President and CEO of SEMA, Christopher J. Kirsting. I hope <laughs> I said that right. Um, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here with you guys. 
Yeah, that's like, a very formal version of your name today. That, I know. Back, back I, to the law firm yeah, days. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> My mother doesn't even call me that. <laughs> yeah, we'll call him Chris Carr. Um, the uh, website, SEMA.org, is where you can go to find out information. SEMA's going on this year, Tuesday, November 2nd through uh, Friday, the uh, 5th of November. Uh, good to be back in the flesh uh, for the first time in a couple of years, right, Chris? Yeah, we're excited about it. Um, so give us, uh, why don't you give us a little rundown on um, SEMA, like, you know, sure. it's humble origins. We know some about that. Some can see the old pictures from maybe the 70s. No, earlier. Earlier, 50s, yeah, yeah. 60s. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's always hard to tell because they have a hot rod from the 30s, so you can't put a timestamp on it. You, you know, with auto shows, you can go, oh, that is a 1971 Falcon or Duster yeah. or something like that. You know exactly what year it is, but yeah. uh, the old SEMA shots, it's hard to tell. So origins, what yeah, year, and back walk us through it. And, and kind of how we got to where we are today, too, I think mm-hmm. is, is interesting. So. Uh, the organization was formed in 63. Mm-hmm. But in order for that to happen, you know, there was a lot of cool stuff that went on before that with these guys who built these little companies that were the founders of SEMA. So really, Adam, going back to kind of the, the return after the war here in Southern California, a lot of folks with a lot of automotive knowledge had worked in a lot of aerospace companies that were operating here and so forth. And great weather year-round. A lot of the uh, cars and trucks on the road in that time were old because they hadn't made any new cars and trucks, right? So these guys because came back. Because of the war. Yeah, because of the war. And these guys came back and, and had a lot of fun uh, basically hot rodding uh, these vehicles and then kind of got into the dry lake scene and the speed contests out there. And So uh, a, a little bit of a perfect storm of young guys coming back who got their beak wet flying planes, yeah. working on planes, wrenching on mm-hmm. tanks, you mm-hmm. know, a strong, heavy, mechanized, mechanical kind of thing with a bunch of 19, 20, 21-year-olds. And they come back to SoCal, and there's all these defense guys who are making the aircraft and all the parts suppliers, yeah. you know, Joe Factor, guys like that, who, who used to be up the street. You could... You know, famously get a lot of braided hoses and and, get, and grommets and things to kind of modify your vehicle with. So lots of parts, lots of supplies, and then lots of know-how, lots of fabricators, exactly. guys who knew how to move metal around. So now they come back here, and these guys who want to go fast are now dropped into a place where guys made P-51 Mustangs. And the marriage uh, begins. Yeah, and they had a blast. And, uh, you know, the the both the, the dry lake scene was a, a real center for this. And the folks who'd show up with something machined that worked, people would say, hey, I want one of those too. And the next thing you know, these guys start these little businesses. and Yeah, belly tanks yeah. and things you, like that. You, you got to think of uh, – some of the founding members, I would guess, would be like Edelbrock, Ed Iskadarian, uh, Alex Exidius. Exactly. Uh, you know, uh, and Alex, he's going to outlive us all. So. Yeah. And, you know, real uh, kind of fuel on the fire uh, was Peterson. When Peterson came yeah. along, uh, had this idea about doing a publication, it allowed a lot of these little companies that had just formed up, all those companies mm-hmm. you just ma- mentioned, to get an audience all around the country. So Hot Rod Magazine was hatched. They started that, gave these guys a market, really took off for a lot of them. Uh, and then competitors started coming in from all over the, uh, all over the country, really. Uh, but 
out here in Southern California, really funny story about the beginnings of SEMA. Uh, there was a um, – you probably grew up making model cars, right? Sure. We making, so you'd get your, your little model car. The last thing you did was the most frustrating thing. What was it? It was putting on those decals, yeah. right? The yeah. little, little things you float in the warm water and <laughs> try and get on there. Well, in order to put all those decals on – any given sort of model, you had to get licensing rights from all those companies. Well, there's some guy from Ravel going around pulling his hair out trying right. to talk to all these different companies. He said, you know, you need to get a group of you together and you need to form an association. There are such things and it's a way for businesses to come together and do things commonly together that they can't do as well individually. And uh, for one thing, he said, it made my job a lot easier. So he got a bunch of these guys in the room together, explained to them what it was, brought an attorney in who could help them understand how to form an association. And they had enough other common interests and problems that they said, yeah, this is a good idea. And I got to tell you, these guys were hardcore competitors in the business world. It Mm -hmm. was something to get them together in a room and say, yeah, we're going to do something uh, uh, jointly. So in 1963, they they put Siemens together. There were about, I don't know, 19 or 20 founding companies, a lot of the companies that you just mentioned. And uh, the thing really got uh, a lot of juice when California began to regulate emissions because uh, now they had uh, a government affairs problem and they needed to band together. They needed a united voice. They needed united resources in order to be able to go Make sure that those regulations didn't just mow over the modification industry because all that stuff was originally aimed at new vehicles, new motor vehicles. But they included provisions that said once we have these emissions controls on these vehicles, you can't change them. You don't. You can't take them out of compliance. So our industry was able to represent itself there and say, hey, we are all about modifying vehicles. We want to be able to do it legally. We're going to put together a system with you where these companies can test and demonstrate that after you put that supercharger on this thing, it still meets the, the requirements and give it a, a, an approval. And so that process got started. That really gave SEMA a lot of juice. And then the next thing that gave SEMA a lot of juice, 1967, that range, uh, the first SEMA show. There are a couple shows that happened before that that were kind of formative, but the very first show that really used SEMA as a an organizing factor under the bleachers in the new Dodger Stadium, hmm. 1967. Uh, great pictures uh, from that uh, event. So the first SEMA was in Chavez Ravine? <clears throat> it was. That's wow. correct. That is correct. So uh, they moved it. Uh, I mean, sort of like tail hook, I guess. Moved, ended up in Vegas at, at some point. I, it was it was <clears throat> other places in LA first. Was it at the convention center? So they had a couple iterations that were what you could really call the the precursors, and and of course the guys who were responsible for those would say no, those were the first SEMA shows. But they, in Anaheim, they did. I think there was one in, in Anaheim mm-hmm. uh, at the convention center, and. Uh, and then the thing ultimately ended back in the Anaheim Convention Center uh, as it kind of matured and grew uh, in the latter part of 1970s. Big deal for the association, should we move the show to Las Vegas? And, of course, its board of directors was torn down the middle. Half the guys thought that everybody would come there and spend all their money uh, gambling before they could spend any money buying parts. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yet uh, the the guy who took that leadership position and got that done – uh, he really put the industry in a great position because Las Vegas was the place for the SEMA show, and it has grown like like crazy ever since. 
and then similarly, the the organization expanded. <laughs> so you guys will get a kick out of this. The original acronym was the Speed Equipment Manufacturers Association. Yes. Mm-hmm. Today, we are the Specialty Equipment Market Association. If I say that to a stranger, they say, yeah, but what do you make? <laughs> right. yeah. It tells you very little. But, but they expanded it that way because it was originally a manufacturers association, and they agreed to bring in distribution, retail, everybody, in part because this was a small, niche uh, industry in a world of Goliaths, car makers, the EPA, the federal government, the state governments, and they needed all the voices and all the resources they could gather. So it was a smart decision, but it's unusual for an organization like ours to represent manufacturers, distribution, retail. Usually those guys are in different associations because they have different interests. But we were all bound by the fact that we had big dragons to slay and we needed all the all the power we could get. So that thing then allowed lots of other folks in, and it moved from speed equipment to be every hobby and every lifestyle interest in the automotive culture. Uh, so grew to include the resto guys, the street rod guys, the off-road guys, the mobile electronics folks, the mm-hmm. restylers, the guys who are basically you call a wheel and tire niche. Yeah, all oh, tools, all the tools that yeah. go along and support that. Even JB Weld, our sponsor, the you know <clears throat> the reason they're here is because I wandered into the JB Weld booth a few years back. <laughs> SEMA. See, <laughs> I was like, my SEMA. shoes broken. What do you got? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's it's everything. And I, I just recently toured the new convention center. I guess we're calling it the new or the uh, West uh, Hall. West the West Hall, Hall at the convention. And uh, it is uh, state of the art, man. Isn't I mean, it stunning? <clears throat> walking into that place when it's empty, I, I'll screw up some of the <clears throat> stats, but some of the biggest, maybe the biggest spans minus the poles, uh, meaning, yeah. you know, these, th- these places are gargantuan. Gargantuan now, or this place is yeah. gargantuan now, and and when it gets filled up, it sort of has a context. But when it's empty and you walk into that place, yeah. it's like standing Crazy. out on the fifty yard line of the Texas uh, Stadium with nobody, nobody there. I, just yeah. the vastness. I was there for Barrett Jackson, which I think was the first public event there, and the big room. You're right. I think it's six hundred thousand square feet without a pole standing in yeah. the middle. It's cavernous. Yeah. It really is <laughs> crazy. Uh, yeah. And and you know uh, those those facilities now allow us to do all kinds of cool stuff uh, at the show, and uh, I think Las Vegas had plans to then, in sequence, be remodeling and updating all the rest of these halls. Uh, COVID has kind of uh, put a little bit of a kink in that, but I expect uh, we'll get we'll get the the whole facility. Uh, updated. Of course, none of it is going to be quite as spectacular as that space, but we're really looking forward to what we can do in there. And I, Adam, if you got to see those those spaces empty, it makes it all the more remarkable. Most people just show up out at that convention center and see the finished product yeah. when they walk in the door. It's an empty warehouse, man. And when the SEMA show happens, it looks like a purpose-built, you know, unbelievably decorated and complete you know, internal showroom. And that's the, that's some of the crazy stuff that happens to make the SEMA show, you know, go down Mm -hmm. that people never see. Uh, We did a time-lapse one time uh, Mm -hmm. of a couple of days of that thing from, and a very interesting thing, the time it takes to build it up, three, four days, getting deeper now, five days sometimes, 
the time it takes to take it down, yeah. less than 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. It comes down like, a, like an elevator with a cut. Very key. quick to go down. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the SEMA show, SEMA show for this year. Uh, obviously, in, the, in this time of COVID, we're seeing eh, different decisions being made by shows like CES and Apex. And, you know, some of them, it's, it's dictated to them. Some of them, they're, they're, they're taking a wild guess, uh, you know. But also, some of those are different types of, of shows, right? What we'd expect from a Detroit auto show or LA auto show uh, is different than what we would expect from SEMA being a trade show. Yeah. So uh, let's just get into that. How are, how are you going to handle COVID protocols? What What's going to happen at SEMA for exhibitors and spectators? Right. So uh, just to, to be clear, because we're spending a lot of time out there trying to cut through all the clutter and the, the – the static and the BS, uh, it's very straightforward. SEMA is going to have in place the safety protocols that are required by Nevada and Clark County uh, when we show up at the show. If the show were to happen tomorrow, that includes a masking requirement for trade shows that happen indoors. There's a month and a half still between now and the SEMA show. A lot changed in the last six weeks, two months, as you saw. A lot's going to change. And uh, we're relying then uh, on, the, on the authorities, the people who have some expertise about this, to figure out what needs to be in place. But uh, at the same time, we've got our own uh, protocols, in, and the building itself uh, has taken some sig- significant steps that I think make a big difference. For example, in this last year, They've installed their hospital-grade HVAC, high-volume turnover. Uh, We're going to have uh, the opportunity with that new West Hall to spread the show out. We'll have wider aisles, a little bit more distancing. Of course, we'll have hand sanitation stations for people who who feel like that's a a benefit. And uh, we'll be cleaning high-traffic areas on a regular basis. All the things that are best practices that earned that facility, what's called a GBAC star rating. Uh, when I look at all of those things taken together and I think about uh, the matter that folks are headed out to Home Depot or the grocery store where they probably don't have hospital-grade HVAC, they don't have all these features in place – I feel comfortable going to to Home Depot. I think a lot of other people do. And I think that folks will feel comfortable, and not everybody, but folks will feel comfortable. They will. They're car guys. The car guys don't care. Let's (laughs) let's face it. They ain't some pussy who heads up some school board union or something in L.A. All the car guys I know don't give two shits. Adam, you got to take into account the specifics of of every industry and these these, uh, different Trade organizations and, and uh, companies that are making decisions about their shows are doing that, and we listen to demand more or less from our end of the the. Well, I spectrum. have demand. <laughs> I I don't know if someone has this, but if I wear have to wear a mask, I would like yeah. it to be the thrush muffler woodpecker with the cigar yeah. mask. Would that uh, be a killer mask? That would be awesome. That, that would, would be, be awesome. Yeah. It's got the big smile and the cigar shoved in the side of the mouth and it's a woodpecker yeah that it's thrush people, people just need to be creative about this yeah that get, would be that would mask. be awesome yeah well the, the mask mandate we we would assume was going to be in place but a, a requirement for vaccinations we're saying we don't know 
you don't have an answer for that yet because well, we don't so know. I think you do more or less have an answer just in what is happening today. So uh, during the, the lead up to the surge and, and even in Las Vegas now, the surge is beginning to decline, right? But even now, uh, there's a major trade show taking place this week at the convention center, the mining industry has their mine expo. By the way, if you're into, we're missing that. If you're into Tonka trucks, you need to go to the show someday. All right. It's, it's it's the craziest thing you ever saw, but they have 1400 exhibiting companies there. They got tens of thousands of people there. Uh, the requirement right now is masks basically. So, uh, I think and, – and you're seeing these events taking place all over the country. There is a major event going on in Chicago this week. Uh, so it, it is a weird thing about what the media does to people's perceptions and uh, I think particularly those of us who live in Southern California are have a way distorted sort of uh, sense of, of what's going on. But uh, there are lots of events, lots of large gatherings taking place and uh, they're coming off successfully. Are they for every person based on their own personal uh, assessment? Probably not. And, and we respect that and we expect people will make their decisions. And even companies will make those, those decisions and make them mm-hmm. differently. And, uh, but, but right now we have uh, 1,300 plus companies registered and paid in to exhibit at SEMA, which is a really large show. How many people do you expect to show up? So we've got 28,000 registered buyer attendees. At this point, and that's early in this cycle, the, those guys can kind of decide all the way up to the last minute. And mm-hmm. uh, so that's a really strong base for us uh, for, for the show. So to your point earlier, Adam, I think people are interested. And our board of directors takes those and, and the staff, we look at those as votes to say, yes, SEMA, we need you guys to do this. Why? Because the SEMA show is a connection point. It's funny you mentioned your connection uh, for J.B. Weld. Or, uh, you know, every year folks show up there and they connect for all kinds of business purposes. And it's interesting because people either don't know this or forget about it. That mass of manufacturers who are on the floor at SEMA are mostly small and medium-sized companies. And they are where a lot of the cool innovation is cropping up. Mm-hmm. And I've been in this industry and going to that show for 30 years. I've seen the tiny company that has become the big company now. I've seen the small company gets bought up by the big company and so on and so forth. But it's a lot of where this stuff, the, the new and cool products come from. And those folks need this show as a stage to get in front of people because they don't have it. They're yeah. great big category leading companies and so forth. It's a brand reinforcement and it's important for them. Yeah. But it's not live or die. For no. a lot of no, these they, guys, it's very so important. What, you know, well, the way SEMA works is you you know, you go see what Ford's offering with their, you know, seventy five thousand square foot <laughs> display, but as soon as you get about eighty feet away from Ford, you see some guy and his wife and they got some sort of flange making tool for doing your own muffler system or something. Yeah. <laughs> and you really get into the weeds over there, stuff you never even thought about. And there's not only all the products and all the innovation, but then there's all the guys who do the taps and the dies and the tools and all the yeah. stuff and the welders, just, yeah. just all that, all that stuff. Well, it's an important show for business to happen within the industry. But this year, no international travel, no international buyers. Yeah. How how are people 
expected to interact with the international buyers? How are we re- replacing the the fact that they're not going to be there? Yeah, so so we do a lot to collect uh, what you would call content from the show uh, to be able to make that available to folks uh, who aren't able to get to the show. Uh, it's a real challenge for us. Uh, a lot of folks in our industry, when we did a, a, a true virtual effort last year, a lot of the folks who are the intended attendees, they're so busy and they're in a different realm. They're at their offices or in those days they were even working remotely. They aren't switching off of, as I say, when you're fishing in a pond and you're catching fish and last year our industry was selling a lot of product because people were working on their cars and trucks. It was right. one of the things you could do. Home. They don't leave the pond that, that they're catching fish in to go look for another pond to fish. So it's hard to get people, international or otherwise, to really pay attention to this. It'll be a, a thing that develops over time where we will begin feeding more stuff virtually. And I think people will take advantage of it. But from a cold, come to the SEMA show and do this, and now you don't come to the SEMA, you try and do this yeah. on a computer, it's it's not the same. Well, look, the, the SEMA show last year being a virtual event was, uh, well – that one kind of sucked. But the MPMC yeah, event that was after that, I thought worked very well. Yeah. I would even argue, I don't know that we need an in-person MPMC event because that version of the, you know, the software and the way it worked, worked really well. Yeah. Right? So, you know, I, maybe... I people agree with that, by the way, and I expect that's the way it's going to happen, <laughs> uh, <laughs> to, you know, to your point. The evolution of the SEMA show seems like it could be both a maybe smaller in-person event with a virtual side of it as well. So it's interesting. Those are two different uh, experiences and one where uh, you have the ability to really match folks up at the the MTMC for your listeners' benefit. This is really a cool thing where the manufacturers in our industry are able to get in front of the media in a collected environment. That is to say we would do it in a hotel and Mm -hmm. you guys would go – door to door and meet with different and collect information to make stories and, and publish stuff all year long. Yeah. And so it's very efficient and it's very doable to have all of that scheduled. And so if it works for you guys, it's really efficient. The SEMA show is so many things, but one of the things it is, is a place where serendipitous stuff happens. You come in there, you know what you want to do, but you also are going to be exposed to a lot of stuff that you didn't know was going to be there. Yeah. And that's, a, you know, that's a slice yeah, of the Yeah, it's pot. really, I mean, the, the, the magical part of SEMA <laughs> for me is, you know, everyone knows there's the Edelbrock display over there and there's the turbo guys and there's Ford and, and whatever else. And you're looking at crate engines. But at some point you wander in and you get into the bowels of the place and you just start seeing stuff you never knew existed. Yes. And you just as a as a kind of geek you you think oh i want that tool or i want that toolbox or i want that welder like it it really when it really gets niche you just wouldn't you wouldn't know that stuff existed and that's really for the for the folks that really are into it that's really yeah. the exciting part it's kind of you know the Ford and GM and all that and Edelbrock and everything, that's fine. That's kind of like saying Golden Corral and TGI Fridays. But these are taco trucks that are way off the beaten <laughs> path. 
and you just go over there and start discovering new things. And I want to, I got to do a quick spot here, but I want to talk to Chris about cars in general, stuff he likes, stuff he may have in his garage, see where his head's at with that. First, I'll tell you about Air Med Care Network. Health insurance doesn't always cover the full cost of an emergency medical flight. Even with comprehensive coverage, you could get hit with substantial co-pays and or deductibles. Plan ahead. An emergency, Air Med Care Network's highly trained crews provide medical transport to the nearest and most appropriate trauma center. With an Air Med Care Network membership, you pay no out-of-pocket expenses for the flight. And uh, an AMCN membership covers your entire household for as little as 85 bucks a year. Secure your financial peace of mind. CarCast listeners, by the way, can get up to a $50 e-gift card with a new membership. So visit airmedcarenetwork.com slash CarCast. Use the offer code CarCast and get that e-gift card with your new membership. Get some peace of mind for your family with airmedcarenetwork slash CarCast. So, uh, Chris, what do you what do you like? What do you drive? Yeah. What do you have? So, so I, I need to be less busy. You guys got to help <laughs> me with this. I, I, I need to get to a place where I can get to the projects I want to do. Right. So, I, I got two things that are, are slated that I'm really interested in, and they're they're kind of different, but they overlap a little bit. Uh, I'd really like to to go get a hold of a older Ford Raptor. Uh, and take that thing and trick it out for backcountry adventure. I love that. You world. want the V eight? Yeah, exactly. That's the reason for the older one. I want to mm-hmm. get that that V eight. And uh, I love all kinds of outdoor adventure stuff. And uh, it, I don't know if you all have noticed this, but there is a huge Biggest. Devel- development in the SEMA world, both off road and this overland. Well, yeah. you know, uh, you it's know, really seemed to have grown or got people's yeah. attention the past year. Yeah. Well, my theory, I've always kind of studied trends. And, you know, when you had, you think about those bands from the early 70s. You had Credence and you had Crosby, Stills and Nash. And you had all the Bob Dylan-y, folksy, kind of Joni Mitchell-y stuff and everything. (laughs) And even your uh, Leonard Skinner's and stuff. And the next thing that came 10 minutes later was disco. You know, Donna Summer. I mean, Mm -hmm. the span between... Creedence Clearwater Water Revival and, and all that really folksy southern rock in disco was like 18 months. You know, then you had the village people, pow, like next, right? And then, then at some point you get into the hair bands and then you go from hair bands to Nirvana yeah, and Soundgarden, just pow. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. we kind of work, I, I study the trends, you know? So as we're trying to push people into driving a Nissan Leaf, as that's the trend, there's a large group of people go, I'm not getting into a Tesla. I'm not getting into an electric car. I'm not getting into a Leaf. I'm going to add a Leaf to the suspension of my Jeep, and I'm going to do a do a body lift on it. I'm going to get some you know 37-inch Tough Mudders on there. Like That's why you're seeing L.A. is electric cars and raised Jeeps now. Those, <laughs> yeah. those are what you see. So it would make sense that that market, is driven now, you know, when they weren't trying to force us all into electric cars, it was, you know, a good sized market, but it's grown by leaps and bounds now because people are going, I, I want to get out. I want to put a you know, yeah, brush guard in my bumper and hit the, hit the trail. And with COVID, it just right. added fuel right. to this thing. I mean, people didn't have very many options, but one of the options was 
go go do that, man. Get yeah, well, why do you take off your mask? Why get do you the hell need away. to modify a Raptor? Like I'm all for modifications, yeah. <laughs> but that truck's got some pretty good yes. suspension travel. So out of the I don't showroom. think you, you probably don't need to do as much there. But the thing that's really cool that we've all gotten turned on to is all the stuff you can do to enable that backcountry trip. So you can become a, practically a land yacht. You can become oh, really self sufficient. So that's what's happening in, in in that segment, right? right? So, so it's sort so, of about the tent you pitch on the camper. Cool. Shell yeah, versus yeah. the lift kit. Oh, dude, there are so many cool things. There, there are guys now that you can have a refrigerator out there. You can have, uh, and, and, and a lot of it is is solar powered. That's uh, going to say solar right. panels yeah, bringing it's, stuff it's, out there. It's crazy yeah. and it's so cool. And and you know, it, if you love having that kind of equipment and making it work, uh, it's just another toy. It's just another fun thing to do. But the other project that I have is is a little bit more off the off the path uh i really like the old travel all wagons they're really the international travel all wagons it's a kind of an odd beast uh but i have a friend who took one and dropped it onto a 2012 silverado chassis and then had the opportunity to put a, a gm crate motor in there mm-hmm. and it's one of the coolest Russo mods I've ever is seen. Is the international wagon from the 50s, from it's the 60s? 60s. Mm-hmm. From the 60s. Yeah. And um, it's the same international that would make yeah. sort of the Bronco knockoff, or Correct. I don't know what to call yeah. it, but they, yeah, yeah. They're, they're sort of, they, they got the right shape. Now yeah, we just got to get the guts right. Yeah, so so it's a little bit, like I said, that's a little odd, but uh, I love to be able to throw my mountain bikes in the back of whatever I'm driving. I got an SRT Grand Cherokee out there for that purpose, you know, and and I, I'm always going to have stuff uh, that I can, that I am able to throw my, my equipment into. Yeah. Uh, that's what I, okay. I really like. And As far as getting that stuff from the SEMA show out to people, is the SEMA show open to the public? On Friday? Right. So uh, the SEMA show is a business-to-business show. It starts on Tuesday, ends on Friday. And on Friday this year, we have an opportunity for a limited number of folks to get a, 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 a pass. basically gives them an opportunity to come to the SEMA Ignited event, which is Friday night. And we can talk a little bit about what that is. But also gives them an opportunity during the day at the SEMA show uh, to get a chance to to see this and you know not very many people get to do that so it's pretty cool um we're calling it the the sema ignited pass the ignited as you guys know uh from being out there a number of years ago we had this incredible collection of cars and trucks that come into las vegas and into Mm -hmm. this convention center and people started hanging out on the sidewalks, watching yeah. them leave the show. We, we figured, well, we can help this out. We started putting up grandstands, and we kind of organized that departure into a parade. Yeah. And so now we have this crazy cool, one-of-a-kind moment uh, that happens in the evening over at Las, Las Vegas at the end of the show. And we decided, well, we ought to give it a destination. Put a, you know, Grab a big old parking lot and, and throw a, a cool cruising that's basically the SEMA show cars and have this SEMA Ignited yeah. event and kind of give the public a chance to see that one-of-a-kind collection. Of, yeah, it's of cool, cool but then every car builder was like, oh, now our cars got to work. <laughs> we can't just display them at the SEMA show. we got to fire them up. Uh, they got to sit in traffic for yeah, half an well, hour. Well, you know, if you guys understood psychology and had a shred of decency, you would announce every year that the SEMA show is going off two weeks earlier. And so you'd go, yeah, we usually yeah. do it beginning
beginning of November, we're going mid-October. Mid-October. And then everyone would rush to finish, and while their cars were overheating and nothing, the upholstery wasn't done, you'd call them about two weeks on and go, hey, man. Your little grace. We moved we, it back. We bumped it back. Well, we, well, well, you do this with stupid friends that are always late. You oh, go, all the time. Yeah, the movie yeah. starts at 8.30. Well, it starts at 9, but but I, I know how you roll. Right. <laughs> they would be initially angry, but then they would thank you. There would be such a sigh of relief. <laughs> yes. Such a sigh of relief. Uh, how should, uh, since the, we're going to have people come in, what, what should the <clears throat> exhibitors expect? How are they going to do things differently during that? during that phase of Friday. Yeah. So, look, the, the, the reality is there are a lot of people uh, among our exhibitor base who would really like to see uh, more of – because these are going to be kind of opinion leader enthusiasts. These are people that are going to be pretty hardcore. And uh, so so many of them have been urging – and it's kind of interesting. I have a split you know, in the in – the, many of them have been urging to get more access uh, to the enthusiast, especially at the end of the week. Most people are not interested uh, in disrupting the B2B during the prime Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, we're also looking at how to maybe begin building a SEMA ignited weekend. And so mm-hmm. move opportunities in, create opportunities on Saturday. Because we really respect the matter that this is the only place and time that the industry can get together business to business without uh, you know, any distraction. Basically, they can talk business. Yeah. And you guys have seen the show floor. It's already amazingly packed. It's amazing. So I'm a, I'm a buyer. I want to get to a, a booth and talk to the, the principal there about whatever I'm interested in. I got to wait, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Normally, right? It's hard to, to get it. Now I've got a, a bunch of folks who are based, you know, just enthusiastic. I want to ask yeah. about my product for my, you know, my ride. Like you want to hit a home run with the exhibitors. You let them <laughs> yeah. sell everything to those consumers that walk in. They don't have to bring all that shit home. They would love that. <laughs> Friday afternoon, everything's for sale. Yeah. <laughs> you could buy the booth. You could buy everything. It's, it's, it's complicated. <laughs> I, you know, they, they, have, they have different personnel there during the week to talk business than they have who, who normally would talk retail with with. Uh, consumer. So, and what is the lay of the land going to look like? There's there's several exhibitors that aren't going to be showing up. What are you going to do with those empty booth spaces? Yeah, so uh, we need to re. What we do is basically consolidate. We move things around and, and pull it back together. And uh, in a COVID year, that's a challenge. And look, you know, these companies are making the determinations for themselves. We get that, and uh, we respect the fact that some of them have made that decision and. It causes us a little heartburn to have to move things around, but that's what we do. And uh, so uh, we'll just keep doing that and uh, keep the thing consolidated, keep it in a, in a good uh, – it's, it's really set up right now by sections, by segments, as you guys know. And that makes it really efficient for the, the folks who come to the show and, and want to get around. They can plan real well. It used to be I, in, my, in my tenure uh, – it was a hardware store with no departments where every really? different segment – you might have an off-road guy next to a mobile electronics guy next to a wheel guy. Yeah, right. It, it, the whole show was that way. Yeah. Uh, I just need to know where 
Corky Coker's going to be. <laughs> I got to find that guy. Yeah, well, you, you'll, you'll be able to spot his mustache. All right, let me tell <laughs> you uh, 30 seconds for Geico here. Do you own your rent your home? Well, sure, you do one or the other. You work hard. And then there's your automotive policy. You want to get your bundle working at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renter's insurance along with your automotive policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around the house. So go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save and how easy it is to save when you get your bundle working at Geico. That is Geico.com. So, um, I, uh, yeah, I, you know, you know, it's weird. It, it, for us, uh, we have a couple destinations every year. You know, there's always the um, – Pebble Beach and the track and Laguna Seca and all that kind of stuff. And uh, obviously, SEMA is always a destination for us. And uh, you take a year off. You don't realize how much you miss it until you get that year off. (laughs) That uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder and all that. And familiarity familiarity breeds contempt. contempt, (laughs) Right. So, you know, when you're going to all these things year after year after year, you kind of have this, all right, but now we have to go back and do this. And then when you take a year off, you go, oh, we get to go do this. You kind of you kind of appreciate it more. So (laughs) that's the way I'm feeling about SEMA this year. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to go. I just think uh, a lot of people, which is I'm glad you came in. A lot of people had a lot of questions on how it's going to happen. And it, you know, the truth is, it sounds like you know we're still uh, what a month and a half or yeah. so out, and some decisions won't be able to get made until that that last minute. Which is, you know, for a lot of companies, it's it's unfair because they're making plans and how people are going to get there and what's going to cost and booth space and expenses. Like it's it's a big deal. So. This isn't an easy Time. show to plan yeah. this year. Yeah. You know, for for anybody, for you guys as the organization and everybody that's that's going. So the companies that are going, uh I thank you for going and the companies that aren't going, I totally understand. Right? We're still going to have a conversation. Yep. You know, we're just going to do it in a different way, but yeah, uh, and and we expect those companies will be back and uh as you say, they've got different pressures and, and different considerations. And uh, it, what we're trying to do is say there are folks who want to do this. We're going to be there to help make it happen for you. And uh, that's that's the approach. And, and I think by uh, allowing uh, time and allowing this thing to uh, – the, the COVID environment to develop uh, – that's giving people a chance. Yes, you know they don't they don't have uh, information right now that says you're going to need this or that or have to do this or that. But they also, I think, respect and appreciate the matter that by taking time, we'll have the right measures in place that are that are right for whatever yeah. COVID environment is. Then, well, also, I believe the fact that most Americans, not Matt are going home and watching college football every Saturday <laughs> and seeing these packed stadiums with 90,000 people in it. You know, I was just, you know, speaking of Vegas, one of the best Monday night football games ever was yeah. last weekend, uh, Raiders game. Um, 
the stadium was packed. Everyone was going nuts. There was, you know, no social distancing going on whatsoever. And, you know, that was a stone's throw away from the convention center where SEMA's going on. So I was just there. I was just there for WWE SummerSlam. 51,000 people (laughs) were. Yeah, yeah. there's a large group of Americans that are ready to get out there and start (laughs) cheering Goldberg or start cheering the Raiders or start cheering on. Corky Coker. <laughs> sure All um, right, do your business there, man. Yeah, let me uh, let me tell you guys about uh, Good Guys. The Good Guys Rod and Custom Association is coming to Fort Worth, Texas for the 28th Summit Racing Lone Star Nationals. It's at the Texas Motor Speedway, September 24th through the 26th. There's over 2,000 classic cars and trucks on display with an autocross, a burnout competition, and vintage dragster exhibition, which is always very, very cool to see those things. Man. There's a huge swap, beat, swap meet, and there's hundreds of cars for sale that you guys can check out. Bring the whole family. There's live entertainment. There's a model car and pedal car display. There's a whole uh, kids zone that's uh, free for the kids. And if you want a ride-along, NASCAR is bringing out some stock cars to, uh, to do some ride-along so you can get it. Uh, you can hop in one of those and go around the track. Tickets are on sale right now at goodguys.com. It's good-guys.com. Uh, kids six and under are free, but if you use promo code CARCAST, you get $5 off your spectator ticket. Well, let me give the awesome website events. out for uh, SEMA.org. Um, you can go there, get updates, find out what's yeah. uh, which way the wind is blowing. Hey, Adam, if I could, hmm. another call out on the website. We have an enthusiast uh, network that we call the SEMA Action Network, which is that bringing to that collective voice for you know trying to protect the hobby on laws and regulations. It's the SEMA Action Network. Its uh, website is San S A N. It's SEMA San. I'm sorry. It's S E M A. SAN.com and SEMA is SEMA.org. We're a .org for mm-hmm. SEMA. So I, I would appreciate uh, if your, your listeners would check in there, especially help us out uh, to bring that voice because you know we all need it. Uh, there are lots of different ways that the, the hobbies are challenged by laws and regulations. We need your help. And the SEMA show, obviously, November 2nd through the uh, 5th. SEMAshow.com, the authoritative place, yes. Matt, to get the answers to your <laughs> questions about what is the story with the SEMA show this year. And I want to thank Christopher Kirsting for coming in. Uh, we know Miss Chris. We'll, we'll see you at the show, <laughs> yeah, right? We'll we will see, see you at the, at the show. show. We're excited. We're going to have you come back or I'm going to have you maybe uh, call in. I, I have, uh, we have another conversation that you and I touched on all about the mission stuff and how that's affecting the industry. But sure. We definitely need more time for that. So yeah. we'll Love do that again soon. It. Uh, you can find me at the uh, Solana Beach Belly Up doing stand-up. We're doing live pods there, too. That'll be Wednesday, September 22nd. Then I'm going to uh, Chicago, Illinois, and doing Park West over there, uh, September mm-hmm. 24th. You can go to com for all my live shows. What do you got, man? Oh, man, uh, as we're preparing for uh, for SEMA show and lots of travel events, just give me a follow at, uh, at Motorator on social media. Uh, tracking all that stuff. Posting. So until next time, it's Adam from Matt and Chris saying keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. 
CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting, you want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, see just how much you could save at Geico. That is Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Pluto TV is playing the biggest movies every night this summer for free. Watch hit movies like The Matrix, G.I. Joe Retaliation, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Scary Movie, Runaway Bride, and more all summer long. Check out the biggest stars like The Rock, Keanu Reeves, Tom Cruise, Julia Roberts, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and more. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of free TV channels in English and Spanish featuring TV shows, news, sports, comedy, and more, all for free. Download the free Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device, including Android and Apple smartphones. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free.